0: good morning everybody uh welcome to another episode of making history dope again uh this is andrew uh coming up to you with another episode this is part two in a series so i'd encourage you if you didn't hear the first part to go back um we're looking at native american mascots and their role in schools um now if you did tune in to last episode you know that this is uh ethan's uh master thesis he's been doing a lot of research on this uh, a lot of effort and found some really uh important though controversial and hard research um and so i hope you're excited we're excited uh we know a lot of good stuff is going to come out of this episode and uh we look forward to you tuning in
1: It's summertime, guys. Summertime. Summertime. Yeah. So uh, what do you guys think about school next year?
2: Oh, man. Um, what do you think it's going to look like? I'm kind of nervous, man. I don't know what it's going to look like.
0: Is the you know is the toothpaste too far out of the toothpaste tube, tube? I guess that's what you call it? Yeah.
2: Can you put toothpaste back in the tube? It's hard. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's going to be different. I know that. It's gonna be different. I know our district is already talking about options. So we know when you're talking about options, it's not gonna be the same. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're they're preparing for something.
2: Yeah. So um man, um, it's already been a challenge, but I think the benefit we have right now is we have a couple months of preparation.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, we'll be a lot more prepared this go run than oh, we were yeah. in March. Will sure.
1: things
0: ever go back to normal though? Like when when all of this and the when the virus is gone, I mean it, like I said, is it is it too far? Is it, is it going to be a hybrid? You know, is it going to be? What do you think?
2: I think so. Or Wichita State just went to hybrid.
1: Yeah, for announced for, for their fall semester. Oh, just fall, okay.
2: For the fall semester, yeah,
1: yeah. I think school is going to look different. Okay, it's it's not going to be the same.
2: The CDC dropped some major. Guidelines
0: that were not for realistic for a large high school that we both we all all three of us teach yeah. at two very large high schools yep. and
2: I think the square footage it'd be interesting to take the square footage of our building and then try to fit in the two thousand students with two hundred staff and see uh, there's physically not space yeah so no. it's impossible. We teach you from the bathroom, every space. <laughs> an interesting question. Is there even... Outside six- on, on the lawn?
0: Yeah, on the lawn. Yeah, right. Duck, duck, goose style. But then, like, you need more teachers because, you know what I mean? Smaller, class Smaller classes. Smaller classes. And so are we are we going to hire, like, twice as many teachers? No.
1: But then that's another problem because teacher shortages.
0: Right? Yeah. right. And then what's the yeah. incentive to become a teacher? You have to learn this whole new thing. It's a whole new style. Uh, people aren't all on board with it.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, pay whatever, and uh-huh. so well. I've, there's already been a call for STEM classes for calling people to teach that don't have teaching degrees. Oh, nice. That can get you know what I mean. That can get a, a sub licenses or 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 whatever certification you know, or certifications, yeah, yeah uh-huh. to to teach. So I wonder if education being more online focused, they're going to put a call and say, hey, you don't have a have to have a teaching degree. You just need to know how to work the internet.
0: Now, does the quality go down then? I mean,
2: let's just say watered down. Cause that's the word that's in my head. Yeah. Watered down is definitely, I think true. Education get watered down. Right. I don't know. That's a fear. And I think we should talk, that should be in our minds. Right. Right. How to prevent that
0: as much as possible. Right. Yeah.
2: Anybody that's taking an online class knows how much more, how, how, how much easier it is to shortcut.
0: There's definitely a level of, a layer of disengagement,
2: you, and you know. You lose the accountability of, of yeah. classmates, of, of being there in front of the teacher. I think there's a lot more in education other than content. I think the relationship.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There's the buzzword relationship, right? Yeah, uh, Yeah, there you go. The foundation yeah. of everything. Well, and so much of it is, like, of school is, I mean, it's
0: social for them. It's positive interaction with adults. Because, we know, a lot of our kids, they don't get that from home. For a lot of them, their main source of nutrition of, you know, actual, not, not just Cheetos, you know, or or hot Cheetos in our case even, uh, uh, Takis, uh, you know, comes from school. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's a big piece. And so replicating that online, um, you can't do that fully. Maybe you can add little elements. You you can't do the whole thing,
2: man. We're, we're pulling the rug out from society by removing the school building and what it provides for the community. And it brings up a lot of questions worthy of possibly its own episode. Yeah, for sure.
0: I know. I agree. Um, yeah, dude, like you said, we we need to like move on because we can talk about that. (laughs)
2: Let's move on. Let's, uh, uh, well, hey guys, Glad you guys are listening to the episode. Yeah. You know, made it this far. <laughs> you made it this far. I was we, rambling. We always have a test. Our openings are our test to see how, how long can you hold on before we get to the content. We
0: call it a, a cold open because we know it's just it's out of left field. We've learned, you know, we're, we're all good enough friends. We've learned that um, we can talk about anything for a super long period of time. And so we have to find ourselves like, we have to like force ourselves to transition or it would yeah. just be this. And I know you guys are here for content, not just what you guys
2: don't know is that before every podcast recording, we're probably already talking for a solid hour. Yeah. Eventually we just hit the record button and you're just hearing part of our conversation. Right. And you
0: just hearing what falls out uh, <laughs> of, of our mouths and then we do research and stuff, but also that.
2: Oh man. Well, let's do this. Let's do it, man. Let's jump in.
0: So Ethan, last uh, last episode, um, and for our listeners, I know you heard it in the intro, but if you didn't hear last episode, I really would recommend you go back because there was a lot of info. Um, but Ethan, last time you told us a lot about not only the origin of Native American mascots, but just of just where mascots in general come from, the history of that.
2: Yeah, super brief overview.
0: <laughs> but I, I learned a lot. Like, I didn't know it had like a, a magic connotation and... I didn't know how interconnected the use of Native American mascots were with, like, other big events in, like, you know, I guess Indian-American relations, yeah. you know, Indian wars, you know, Indian schools. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm excited. What what do you have for us today?
2: Yeah. To, um, yeah, I think um, I just want to echo if, if you guys are listening at this episode and haven't listened to the previous episode, please go listen to it just because as history teachers, we'd all agree that understanding the context uh, context is king right context is key yeah it's super important but uh, for today um, so we're going to move forward and we're going to talk about uh, Native American mascots in schools so we're actually getting to the focus part uh, of of my thesis here um, we so we'll kind of talk about how specifically how these mascots become embedded in schools and embedded in school cultures uh, so we'll talk about Things like how um, students participating with the mascot embeds it in the school culture. We'll talk about branding and marketing. We'll talk about boosters and alumni and the roles. All those things kind of play to really embed these mascots into the schools. And I think that's important because as as conversations come up about um, and have been coming up for decades now about removing, um, banning or changing uh, these these mascots, um, there's a lot of friction and tension, and and some people feel like they're running into a brick wall when it comes to uh, some like alumni or booster cultures, and you have to understand how those things came to be. I, I think understanding is a key component, so right. it's kind of the goal uh, for today, and, and, and then we'll end with a little case study about, we'll, we'll talk about the school that uh, Andrew and I work together at, and, and I know Jonathan knows quite about, uh, so the big reveal as far as where we work because there's not going to be any hiding it after this episode. <laughs> right. Like, it's all out there in the public. And that's okay. We have nothing to hide, and, and I think I want to say this now. We don't have an agenda. No. No. The, simply the point of this thesis is to look at history. And um, I'll be very clear that I'm just looking at a particular angle. We're going to be uh, – a lot of my research over the school that I work at was through yearbooks. Um, mm. There's so much more that could be done. Uh, but, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited, man. Um, you know, I think, and we talked about this last episode too, but, you know, people instinctively are are tribal. People always find themselves in camps. Um, people also kind of tend to, like, resist change, just in general, uh, whatever it is, you know. And so I'm excited to see what you have, and you can kind of can you know, illuminate the, the history of, of this whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think some of those human tendencies, we're going to see those kind of play out you know, just as they would in any other situation. So I'm excited, man.
1: Let's
2: do it. So um, let's just dive in. Let's talk about uh, Native American mascots and schools. Um, Last time we talked about how the country was really primed for this, um, how how sports were really primed for this. Uh, Schools were as well. Um, Think of... Following the Indian Wars, and think of following World War One, um, martial themes and, and themes of milita- militarization yep. were kind of prevalent in society, right? Especially in schools, right? Uh, also, think think of things like Scouts,
0: yeah. Like scouting. think of uh, like you know Boy Scouts of America. A lot of um, a lot of their uh, I think like their uniforms yep. definitely based on military, yep. right? Uh, and of course, like you learn to like shoot and, and handle a knife and survival. Um, but also just like, you know, let's learn how to march. Let's the discipline. This. Flag. Obedience. You know, right. Yeah. Uh, a code to live by. And I know huh. schools um, and Ethan, the school you and I work at. Um, I don't know if the original school you work at, Jonathan, because you're in a new building now, Yeah. but there was a, um, there is, it's not just used for storage, a shooting range uh, yep. in our school's basement. basement. Wow, um, I did
1: not know that. Did you not know that? Yeah.
0: There's a lot of stuff in the basement. A lot of stuff. In the, that's a that's a whole treasure trove down there. <laughs> All the drama kids at our school can tell you about the basement. But it's because that was a movement of like, you know, of, it was just kind of seen as an essential part of becoming a well-rounded young person is learning how to how to properly handle a firearm certainly related to, you know, militancy. Sure.
2: Absolutely. And so we can see, um, to blend that idea with how mascots transform from kind of good luck charms, uh, and kind of slowly transitioned into like, uh, uh, resembling like the geography of where their team was from. And then it moved more towards reflecting character, reflecting what the school wanted to, be. Um, and okay. so we can see if, if, if a school's focus is on having kind of the, these martial themes of like discipline and obedience and patriotism, you can see how that fits in perfectly with how Native Americans were portrayed by white Americans. Okay. Okay. Being very and, – and let's get into kind of what's the nitty-gritty of, of this idea. It's called the white man's Indian.
0: So being, being the stereotypical Hollywood yes. –
2: so what we talked about last time, how the the Great Plains um, indigenous person kind of became the symbol um, and generalization of Native Americans for most common citizens. So
0: we're talking, you know, the Hollywood riding the horse, talking the, war the bonnet, the tomahawk.
2: The we're talking about the Indian nickel, right? All of that, yeah. And and the idea of, and you can go back and and look in, in media, right? Um, and just how this is portrayed. Uh, um and I think we talked about Tonto from the yeah. Long Ranger kind of being <laughs> uh the epitome of this. Just very stoic, right, uh wise, uh spiritual, um, athletic. There very uh-huh. much is an
0: athletic thing with uh, yeah. yeah,
2: and so uh and up being a warrior, being very fierce, um, and resilient. Um, these are all characteristics that these schools are desiring to portray within their students and right. uh, and for their sports teams. And so um yeah, so we see that infiltrate first at the university level. Okay. So following pro sports, it, it, it also is happening on the university level. And I, I think we talked about this last episode of the, the all the different universities. Right. By the time of uh, World War II, it's very prevalent. Right. Very prevalent.
0: And and some of them still have those labels. Some of them have kind of adjusted a little bit in the modern era.
2: But. I'd say in the modern era, uh, the universities have probably adjusted the most. The most, yeah, yeah. De-
0: definitely more than like think of the NFL. We certainly sure have not that adjustment. No,
2: it's. which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, is. and in yeah. professional sports, it's it's kind of stagnated. I think the Cleveland, Cleveland Indians have finally decided to stop using their logo. Yeah, uh, Chief, I think, it, I think what's his
0: name, Chief, Chief Wahoo. Yes. Uh, let
2: yes. me look. I that think the so. name that sounds right. I'll Google. Um, it they later. finally decided to stop using that on their uniforms, right? But I think that logo still exists. Yeah, you know. Um, but universities have done the most, um, from what I've found, as far as um, adapting and changing. Um, surprisingly, it's secondary schools that still have thousands, thousands of schools that still have uh, Native American monikers as their mascot mm-hmm. as their names. Um, And that's that's today. That's current. Um, So to kind of go back here to um, the transition into schools, and we kind of talked about the white man's Indian, this idea, this image in the American mind, um, is very much fits in almost kind of perfectly as we talk about context, right, with with the goal of a lot of these um, educational institutions.
0: So to answer your question um, on, so you're right. 2018 they announced Chief Wahoo would be removed for the 2019 season um and there's going to have like a C the Red
1: Sea. Yeah, Yeah, the
0: Red Sea. But they are going to keep the name at this point.
1: Which is okay. interesting,
0: right? Cause it's I guess it's I mean for them it's obviously it's branding, right? Yeah. Um yeah. And so it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of their way to kind of band-aid that up, I guess.
2: Right? Yeah, well, and how deeply embedded that is to change their team name. Away would be to change the team.
0: Well, and like I mean, the yeah, Cleveland right? Indians in are the team. They're I mean, an old, they're an old team. team. I mean, we're talking like hundreds of years. Their franchise like, is like years. it's like eighteen ninety four. Yeah, like so we're talking an old team, and so kind of like we talked about with you know people's traditions. Like you can't change the name of my school. You know, it, it's history, right? Is yeah. people people really tap into that?
2: Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So for the purpose of our conversation and the purpose and my thesis. That process of these institutions adopting and enacting uh, Native American mascots is something I just call mascot embedment. I just, I, I personally just felt like that word embedment hmm. fit just kind of how something is kind of. I get that mental image of it just kind of being pressed in, and just becoming a part of the institution. Right. And I think that's very much what happens with a lot of schools: is these mascots become a part of the school. And then once we understand that and how that happened, we can see why it's so difficult for change to happen. Right. I think I think that alone will just bring a lot of kind of aha moments. A lot of for lot people. So that's a your term. That's a good term, man. That's, uh, uh, I'm not. Well, I'm. I guess I'm claiming it. I I didn't see that term necessarily in any reading. I'm. Um, I'm not saying I invented that term. Okay. But that's just my pet name. It's so like it.
0: Sam Weinberg didn't invent this term, and you're taking. It too. Um,
2: okay. Yes, Doctor Weinberg. If this is something sorry. you've used before, I apologize. You haven't tuned yeah. in,
0: guys. Ethan has a long storied history of claiming credit for uh, Doctor St- Sam Weinberg. Si- Sam Weinberg. What Sam Weinberg. Sam Weinberg. Yeah, not kidding. That's a, that's a great term, though.
2: Yeah. Um, one day, one day, we'll get him on the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he'll be very angry. Yeah, he'll be <laughs> with his leg. Um, so, um, so let's talk about different ways that the mascots are embedded. Um, the first way I advocate is that it's through borrowing Native American culture. Um, culture is such a powerful tool, such a powerful tool. Um, and when you have an organization that has an agenda or 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 kind of needs for its students or for its members, um, adopting an existing culture and bringing that into your institution, is an incredibly effective and smart thing to do. Um, and so that's that's what we see happening here. But let me talk a little bit more specifically what I mean by borrowing culture um, by giving you an example. Um, Americans have a long history of something that's been nicknamed by many historians, playing Indian. Like, think of playing cowboys and Indians, like that concept. Right. And it's hard to imagine any... Uh, uh, childhood that didn't involve that on some level, but there's cops and robbers or Indians, cowboys, I guess cowboys and Indians is kind of how it did it now. Isn't it more cops and robbers for me? I
0: I know what it is. Like it's, it's the idea of playing, you know, different people, cops and robbers. Right. But I mean, you got to think how many, how many movies depicted, you know, the sheriff going after this rogue tribe who would, you know, capture, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cinema behind this. Yes. So there's a, there's a, there's a reason for even back to like, like the wild West shows, like Buffalo Bill, like, yep. you know, right. Like, yeah. like, that's kind of like the original, right. Yep. You know, um, of like the, and the, even like the whole Western genre is kind mm-hmm. of, you know, it's based off
1: of this idea of yeah uh, cowboys and Indians. It's yeah. cowboys and Indians. That's what it is. You know,
2: yeah. And I, I, I think, um, it's so prevalent in, in American culture and it goes back. Think of the Boston tea party. Really, yeah. absolutely, dressing up like Indians. Dressing up like Indians, and whatever their intent was, we can never really know what their intention was for that. But we can see there's a, there is a long history of of borrowing culture, and we can see from a lot of um, even frontiersmen of mm-hmm. um, uh, the the American colonists before America was uh, a country. Um, we can see this um, enmeshment between the frontiersmen and Native Americans, and this blending of cultures. And think of think of people like. Like Daniel Boone, mm-hmm. Davy Crockett, Davy Crockett, huh. uh, who very much embodied um, Native American culture, and I'm not claiming those guys played Indian, but it became this kind of icon. These these legends, um, you wanted to be like them. And what did these guys do? Well, they they lived kind of in and amongst Native American culture.
0: Well, they're folk heroes, right? And, and, and folk I mean, heroes, I like that. I like how many how many stories, true or untrue, have been written about them, right? And they're always wearing these you know native american-esque outfits and and even now like that's how i when i think of david crockett that's that's what i think of you know he's he's dressed in the uh, i guess the buckskin yeah with the 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 what do we call that the the fray you know yeah the
1: the tomahawks,
0: yeah right so it's it's so it's like so the white man wearing a native american-esque outfit is like is a, a
2: long icon of American culture. And, and after the Indian Wars, it becomes a marker for patriotism. Native American culture um, and playing Indian becomes a very American thing to do. And again, come kind of come back to scouting. My, mm-hmm. my experience of scouting was short-lived. <laughs> uh, we've talked about that. Um, but even still, I mean, Andrew, I mean, you you are so very involved. Right. Um, the presence of, of Native American culture... And, you know, I don't know if this was your experience or not, but would you say there was any kind of playing Indian involved?
0: There is. And it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a hard thing because, you know, I, I, I definitely um, I grew up in scouting. I owe a lot of, of my success, you know, in terms of the, the morals and values that, that scouting taught me. But a lot of those values, um, I would say, um, were taught while playing Indian you know, which is un, uncomfortable. Um, I would say it, it wasn't, and I'm, I'm sure like a lot of this, it wasn't meant necessarily in a harmful way, but it probably has been harmful, you know? Um, there is still very much Native American cultural appropriation in scouting. You know, it's true. There, there are, you know, still very much, you know, uh, programs where, where you, you dress up, and then yeah. you you know and and there, there have been efforts to kind of well, let's make them more regionally accurate let's you know let's you know oh like well we're from you know south carolina what try what are tribes wearing from south carolina right but at the end of the day you know oftentimes the actual tribes haven't been asked for their permission um and then let's be honest scouting is a is a is a pretty white organization there it's not like there's a huge amount of there certainly are some some Native American scouts but it's not like it's a huge percentage or anything so it is still and I kind of hurts me to say white men playing Indian. you Mm -hmm. know at the end of the day so it's Mm -hmm. like I said it's a hard thing because I I grew up with it and um but I I think it's it's playing Indian and so Mm -hmm. that that's still I think very much how like how schools are having that same debate of like, what do we do? Um, Scouts is also um, in that same, that same area, I think.
2: Yeah. Wow. And I I think um, one more thought I want to add on to this idea of playing Indians before we kind of move on a little bit more is that in a increasingly global society, um, American colonists and American citizens, as time went on, needed to find a way to differentiate themselves from the old world. And playing Indian became this way to signify that you are from America, right? It's very different from their European roots. And so we kind of see that as a, another layer to the onion. I see a theme here, the onion.
0: I think you're talking about the onion every layer episode. layer of the onion. But you're right. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say like
2: layer of the cake, but uh, it's not always sweet. So the onion is good. Um, I don't know
1: <laughs> okay, where well, yes. I was going with you. that. <laughs>
2: We can edit that out. Yeah,
1: no, that's, that's good. I think good um, live. Yeah. So
2: one example here uh, of how that translated into mascots would be, um, what was the uh, Roger, no, not Roger Goodell. That's the commissioner of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Who, who's the the president um, or the GM for the Washington Redskins? Mm-hmm. Was
1: Snyder. Snyder? Just
2: Dan Snyder. I it's believe his name. it was 2015, 16. Maybe it was a little later. It was a few years ago. Yeah. He basically, when when the organization was under fire again for changing its nickname, um, he made a statement that um, the uh, coach at the time was Native American and approved of the name. So that's not a actually that's not a quote, but that's kind of that's what he said along the lines of that. That the reason why the nickname is you know okay that they're holding on to it is because the roots were the coach at the time was Native American. Historians blew this up. Oh, really? They dug in, dude. By the way, as you're, I, I googled this to kind of like follow up. In
0: 2013, he told the USA Today, and "This is a quote: uh, We'll never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can use all caps, like on you never, like capital caps. N, capital E, V E R. Like, wow. Yeah. So historians, I'm sure, leaned into that. They right? did
2: hard. Um, so the uh, the the man credited for changing the name. Of that club to Redskins was William Henry Dites, and there's a lot I could get into, but I'll just say this: there is a lot of speculation about his ancestry. Um, what we do see um, from historians uh, like Matthew Crystal um, and uh, make sure I get my references right here. I want to say Richard King as well. Um, they they really examine Dites and they dig into his history and background and there is a record of him playing playing indian being being a, a white american man who dressed up as a native american who mm. who had an affinity for native american culture which is a negative thing right you know sure um, but there's a history of him and doing that growing up and from what we know his ancestry is german Wow.
0: So nice. was he was he claiming ancestry, or that just kind of evolved.
2: So, so yes. it's hard to say. Right. Um, and I didn't dig too deep into this, but from what I read, it's there's no proof that he is Native American. It's more that he had an affinity for Native American culture, that he played Indian a lot, and he claimed that for himself. He kind of rebranded himself. and um, Became what was it William Lone Star? His nickname was Lone Star. Oh, I didn't
0: know that. Okay. Yeah.
2: Huh. And so um, again, he's kind of embodying the folk hero, the right. you know half. White American, half Native American, you know. Right. Um, and so he is actually credited from changing the team name from Boston Braves to Boston Redskins. Okay. Because um, it was in Boston before D.C.
0: So why did they – you know why they went from Braves to Redskins?
2: Yeah. Already, so a yeah. part of that was um, – Both Native obviously. At the time, like there were two stadiums that could have played out. One was Brave Stadium and the other was Wrigley Field. Okay. Because baseball.
1: Or is it Wrigley or Fenway?
2: I could be wrong. Oh gosh, uh, fact check. Just, Fenway,
1: R- Wrigley is Chicago Cubs.
2: Chicago, Fenway is Fenway,
0: Boston. Finway we should. I oh, I, I, Michael's gonna be so upset.
2: Okay, uh, Michael, our coworker who loves baseball, <laughs> is raging right now. We should call him.
0: Should we call him? Lifetime, or should we Google it?
2: Um. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead and call you him. Call him. Let's see. So,
0: I'm gonna call him. He's yeah. going to be so angry.
2: What's the name of the, the field in Boston where the Red Sox I'm play? I'm sure it's Fenway. Okay. Um, but while while we call our, our co-worker to get That's some fact-checking. He definitely Call uh, <laughs> <laughs> and
0: <three Boo>. Michael. <laughs> Michael. Oh, nine. Nine is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Hey Michael. Hey, uh, this is this is Andrew. Uh, hey, I'm recording a podcast with Ethan here, and we weren't sure uh, which team played at Fenway Park, uh, so we figured we call you. But then we googled it, so uh, we don't we don't need you anymore. But thanks, man. So we'll catch you later. Bye. We're
2: he's, gonna we're gonna catch up for that. He's gonna be so angry. <laughs> <laughs> so Fenway, he's lost. Yeah, it. if he calls back, we're answering. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so from my understanding, and they they didn't want to. Um, they, For whatever reason, they had to play at – so now I'm now I'm questioning myself because I read this briefly because I was curious of it. It had to do with the stadium they are playing mm-hmm. at as part of the name change. Um, it also had to do with differenti- differentiating from the uh, baseball team and not wanting there to be mm-hmm. confusion. Um, and so they were. So it was, the Boston. Redskins. We're going to move,
0: and so let's change the name. Yeah. We want to keep the native? Okay.
2: Yeah, and he coached the team from 33 to 1934. Okay. And his nickname was Lone Star Dites.
1: So he wasn't native, most likely. It yeah. Was just, but he had kind of a history of playing Indian, so, and so yeah. So they got a validation from a from a Native American who wasn't Native So, so Dan Snyder, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, okay. This
2: is what it's looking like. It's, it's Richard King. I'm quoting here, uh, Dites. Took on the identity of a Lakota man, and he built a reputation. I'm, I'm playing Indian, hmm. and so it's it's a from what we see, it's a a white a, or a, a German man, you know, a right. German heritage at least that took on the identity.
0: So that that of whole Lakota
2: thing just man. collapses
1: then on right.
2: It's not a solid enough argument to stay. No, on it's that not. On. Not at all. Yeah. In yeah.
1: Today's age that would be cultural appropriation. Sure. Right? So, at its height.
0: So, and there is something to be said. Oh, yeah. And I know we'll come back to it, but like there is something to be said of like whenever we are playing Indian, including the mascots and including like how scouts is right. Is it's, it's never representing native Americans like today. It's always representing this kind of wild west native American, almost like the, like what you could call like a vanishing Indian, the Indian that's Mm -hmm. now been effectively removed because of policies like the Indian war policies. Right. Um, You know, the, um, the Dawes act. Right. And so, but it's, it's so goofy how it's like, well, we we use that you know, but not not the modern, right? Wow. And so it truly is yeah. appropriation because it's 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 a stereotypical view of a people who no longer have that identity because
2: what say of us. have Native American groups had in that image, in right? That image. Right, and we'll talk about that actually a little bit later. Well, good, I'm going to. Go I, I have a piece of that. There are some uh, American Indian schools that have actually taken on the mascot Redskins okay. themselves, to kind of rebrand it. Wow. Right. Well, and we'll talk more about that later. But um, So there's one example. Lone Star Dykes, Um Playing India. Uh, supposedly Native American man um, who came up with the term or the team name Redskins. Hmm. Um, Jim Thorpe. We talked about him last time and just the icon that he was. He's calling back. Should we answer? Let's answer. Should we answer? Hey, Michael. You're live on the podcast.
0: Are you there? Hey, what team plays in Fenway? I was uh, I heard your stupid message. Was, <laughs> really? We thought we thought uh, we thought Wrigley Field was Boston and then we realized we were wrong. You
1: didn't know that?
0: I mean I <laughs> oh my god, yeah, you guys
2: are losers, I, don't <laughs> <wonder if you're... laughs>
1: I guess we gotta have you on the Cubs,
2: Wrigley's the Cubs and the, Bo- the Red Sox are the Boston. Or okay. the
0: which one came first? Is Are the Red Sox older than...
2: Wrigley, Wrigley Field's older than, than Fenway. Okay. Okay.
0: I okay. think, I, think I, 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 that, I. if you say it, it's true about baseball. That's what you know it, about it,
2: yeah. it, it, it. It may be wrong. <laughs> okay. You may, well. to, you may want to Google that shit. <laughs> I'm <Is My> not <thought laughs> on, on air, am I? You know, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely on air. It's... <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah what, yeah, what are you doing a podcast about? We're doing, oh, I'll let Ethan say, it's for his uh, master thesis.
2: Yeah, Native American mascots and how they became kind of embedded within schools. And so All we're right, going back I, to the I origins saw, in sports. I saw
1: that. What does that have to do with
2: Boston Red Sox? Oh, it had to do, so we were digging into the Redskins, the NFL team, and they're from Boston, and they used to be the Boston Braves, and we were looking yes. at reasons gotcha. why they renamed themselves to the Redskins. And I knew one part of it had to do with what field they played at. Um, they weren't able to play at Braves field in Boston. They had to play at, I guess, Fenway. So they, that was a part of the reason why they changed their name. So they
0: changed the name. So it didn't like overlap with the other team. Yeah. The other team. Gotcha. I think Fenway opened in 1919. If I'm not okay. mistaken. Wow. And Wrigley okay.
2: really opened before that. I want to say nineteen eleven. And I may be wrong. This is
0: why we need to go on an episode. We gotta bring you on now. This is great. No, because what, what we're finding is the same time that um well that, that they're they're opening the, the stadium is the same time that like you see the use of Native American mascots like showing up. Um and yeah, so it's, brave, it's all related. Right. Yeah, okay. All right. Hey, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hit, right. You, hit you back. But,
2: yeah. All right. Do Cle- you got to look at Cleveland Indians too and uh, the, the trace the roots of that. Okay, I'll talk to you later. All right, sounds good. All right, bye back. Bye. Bye. That's staying in the episode. That's got to stay. This is live, uh, guys. Let's do it alive. Raw. That
0: was raw. I like it. Um. So definitely family Park.
2: Yeah, Red verified. Red
0: verified. From the source.
2: From the source. Uh, Jim Thorpe. <laughs> we talked last time about he um, he coached and played on the team the Oolong, or I'm sorry, the Uring Indians of Ohio, and in their halftime, uh, reportedly to help pay uh, for, I think for, I um, uh, had, had, had there was some other thing involved with why they did they did this? Money was involved, but they did performances at halftime. The players who were Native American mm. they did what were nicknamed war whoops.
1: Oh <laughs> <So> wow! <laughs> the, the the original halftime uh, show, right? right?
2: They were but they were performing for white a white audience. So they were doing the things that they thought white Americans wanted to see. So the Wild West show, right? Yes, it it was that was the halftime show. Okay. Catering to
1: what to what the people wanted to see. Yeah, to the
2: Hollywood Indian, right? Exactly. Um, and so this became super popular among non indigenous fans. And so um, that's another example of it in professional sports. And what yeah. year would that have been? That, that would have been the 30s as well.
0: Okay. If okay. If I'm not mistaken. So that's all. I mean, like you talk about that. So this is all kind of hitting at the same time yeah. here, you know, really. And look, in our school, our school, year is is uh, what 1929. 29. First year. And so it's yeah. all the same, same time.
2: time. The same time. Oh man, it is. It's crazy. So um, playing Indian into schools, University of Illinois. Uh, their, their mascot would become known as Chief Illiniweck, fictional character, uh, but named after the Alini tribe from the Illinois country. Um, it was a student in 1926 who was dressed up as a Plains Native American um, with a costume that was self-made, not made by Native mm-hmm. Americans, and was dancing a non-traditional dance during a halftime game. And this tradition lasted until the 2000s. Um, it evolved. Um, later on, they would go and get a Native American dress or, or, or outfit actually crafted by Native Americans. Okay. And they, but the, the dance largely in and of itself was not modeled after any actual dance. It, again, it was kind of what non-Indigenous or, or what white fans right. were kind of expected. Like wanting to see.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay.
2: And so we see that as another example of of playing Indian.
0: Well, and as that develops, right? Like after after that's been done and that becomes popular, it, that happens for you know five, 10, 15, 20 years. Now that's traditional. The yeah. Right. That's that's what they expect. Right. That's what the fans expect.
2: And so. it becomes known as a spectacle of Indianness. And I'm, I'm quoting that from a historian, a historian last name Je- Jenkins, uh, in the, in his writing and during legacies. A spectacle of Indianness hmm. um, becomes this this thing in sports um, that just blends so so well, given the context. Um, as 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 indigenous peoples, as you said, kind of are vanishing, right? Um, in the minds of Americans, the ability to create a spectacle fitting for sport culture becomes easier.
0: Well, it's a fixed identity too. Like it's yeah. you know it's, it's 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 they're stuck in time. It's antiquated, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I want you to think about how playing Indian becomes fan participation. Like so, tomahawk chop. Yep. Yeah. For uh, Kansas City Chiefs, right? City, right. Or City, uh, war Florida paint, State.
0: right? Yeah. You know, how often have you seen fans wearing like war paint, right? When, and and just again, this, the Hollywood stereotypical. Yeah. And, right. and what yeah, is I
2: mean, that? But what is that action? that tomahawk chop. I'm glad we're recording a podcast right now. But what does it signify? You know, it's, it's, it's chopping like a war tumult. chant, but, but what's uh, the but action but itself? The motion is, it's chopping, is violence, of it's, right, a, yeah, it's okay. scalping, yeah. it's, you know, right. it's, it's violent. yeah. Right. And it's, it's a, it's a very violent, you know, um, motion or, or concept uh-huh. in and of itself. Um, uh, the, the war whoops, and I'm not going to do that, but, you know, putting your hand over your mouth, mm. um, right. and, and doing that was incredibly popular. I mean, right. I did that growing up as a kid because that's what it means to be Native American, you right? Put, put, play, right? Heavy that's sarcasm the, there. You've seen
0: Peter Pan, right? That's how yes. right,
2: that whole Just thing Just go watch Peter Pan, actually. Right. <laughs> and never And you'll get oh, yeah. a, a Right. No, you a, know, lot you're of right. This.
0: You're right. And so like, is that could you equate that to like like blackfacing, for example? I mean like the the same, same concept. The, the same concept of I'm going to represent myself as somebody with a totally different, you know, ethnic background.
2: Improperly. Right. Improperly. And for the purpose, for the purpose right? of uh, benefiting in some way. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, it's certainly not to benefit the people you're badly representing. Right? Correct. I mean, it's certainly not for that. Right? It's not like every time you wore the face paint, the money went to the tribe on the reservation.
2: You know, it's... Uh, from what I've seen, that definitely was not the case. Right. And so it's... And I could be wrong on that. There right. may have been that. Yeah. I didn't look into that aspect of it. Another aspect of borrowing culture would be uh, materiality, Um, taking material Native American um, items and elements, and um, assuming that by having them, that makes you representative of that culture. It gives you like participation in that culture. So it gives
0: you like a a false sense of like authenticity.
2: Yeah. So like, what Native American items come to your mind that are super prevalent? Like headdresses.
0: I think headdresses. Um, we talked about like war paint. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of like Western wear is kind of like Native American esque. Yeah. Like definitely like, the patterns, like some of the Navajo patterns you see. Oh yeah, are also like common with like like
2: mm. I didn't I didn't even think about like, that
0: rancher shirts or whatever. Yeah, yeah and I'll be honest, my 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 uh, my my grandfather, you know, grew up. Very much like a you know a farmer an out, an outdoor kind of guy and yeah. and he dressed in in western wear sometimes including like you know the, yeah those kind of like Native American esque um, outfits. Let uh, me talk to you about like dream catchers, like, awesome. uh, yeah. Like, yeah. like 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 hippies. You know uh, if you've been to a farmer's market, you know what I'm talking about.
2: Um, yeah. well, we hear the and the controversy at Coachella of people wearing headdresses oh yeah you know yeah but peace pipes spears i think of a- tomahawks be- like beads like oh beads. yeah, yeah. beautiful colorful
1: thing.
0: beads teepees yeah, scouts. yeah. Okay. um even like what was i
1: gonna say moccasins. Um, moccasins moccasins is big
2: i owned a pair i actually I they too. were made by i want to say airwalk because i shopped at payless <laughs> shout out to airwalk all right R.I.P.
1: payless man <laughs> I actually have. Are
2: they are they out of
1: business? I think so. I think so too.
2: I, I, I actually have a pair of
0: moccasins and I love them. They're very comfortable. Uh, but yeah. yeah, but that, that'd be Native American esque. Yeah, for sure.
2: You know, and some of these things, I don't think people necessarily. I think they're so common.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, because you own a pair of moccasins doesn't mean you're playing Indian, right? Right. Right. I think it depends on your intention, of course. So, right. you know, I don't want people to feel like guilty. But, but if I if
0: I put on my moccasins and then I tried to pretend like that gave me right like you know, like entrance into like the, the Osage nation. That wouldn't be, you know what I mean? That would be yeah. false. Right.
2: The, and this is what, um, Jennifer Giuliano, uh, she wrote a book called Indian spectacle. Um, she, she would, she would say that the use of sacred, I, she called it iconog- iconography. Yeah. That's a hard word for me. It's a hard word to say. Iconography, these icons, um, in the form of materials such as these, like we talked about, um, are divorced from their culture and therefore, it corrupts their meaning. Hmm. So that's a pretty kind of strong statement. Because when you divorce it from its culture, and you you, you it loses its meaning. Because if you think of these a lot of these items, whether it's the beads or whether it's the pipes or right. a lot of these different materials, headdresses, there's meaning and intention to every detail. Right.
1: And so that, that's the and there's, water. Sa- there's
2: sacred yeah, spiritual right. thing, connections right. there. So
1: it just becomes like a pair of shoes and, yeah. and a pie. Yeah.
0: I know it's been a big deal with um, like. Um, like burial grounds, for example, or like human remains who happen to be like Native American or indigenous, right? Of like, and a lot of, and a lot of, a lot of different tribes, you know, religion, spirituality, culture. Like disturbing those remains is like incredibly, like it's not something you do. It's disrespectful, you know. And mm-hmm. I know sometimes there have been arguments between these nations and like museums, for example, of like you know, look at this like burial outfit you know and it's in a museum but like in whatever you know tribe that is you're not supposed to see that outfit yeah. unless you're the dead person wearing it right and so I know that's an issue too is just like um not well, just the, the stuff that's been created based off of native american like iconography but also like actual historical artifacts. historical artifacts uh being used in the wrong context yes, right yes.
2: wow you know i think um i've re- referenced him more already, but Matthew Crystal, historian, uh, he calls this materialism. He calls it object hobbyism. Hmm. Object hobbyism. And what he describes that as is as artifacts rather than people become the emphasis.
1: Hmm.
2: So these items become uh, what it means to be Native American, not the actual people.
0: (laughs) Well, and (laughs) I guess kind of like we talked about last time is the whole use of playing Indian, the mascots, whatever, becomes prevalent when many of the Native Americans had been removed from public eye. Yes. They're isolated on these reservations, you know. The threat of them is gone.
2: Right. Right.
0: And so it's, so we we, we take items that represent them um, because they're not represented in our culture themselves in, in their actual way.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's it's becoming, now bringing it back to mascots, it's not just the playing Indian part, but it's you have to have the right stuff. And um, it's the idea that embodiment is fulfilled by simply wielding an object that's semi-representative of the intended culture. Um, And that realism derives from the use of these objects instead of the person who's holding the objects.
0: Now, appropriation does happen, you know, from every culture. You know what sure. I mean? It's so, like, there is a piece of, like, you know, like, you know, how Italian is is, is pizza, you know? Like, you know, how how Italian is, is spaghetti, you know? And you can go on that list forever, you know? Yeah. Uh, does St. Patrick's Day really represent Irish culture? But I guess the difference would be sure. is, is the story of, of European conquest of Native American culture is a dark, violent, you know history and so i think i think the difference would be is that um is that
1: dark history you know mm. yeah um, question. I mean, you go back to the the indian schools where you're trying to americanize right this native group and say hey you you can no longer wear your headdress you can no longer wear your moccasins you can no longer go by your mm. by your native name and then you fast forward what 30 years and it's oh these moccasins, these <laughs> we're, are we're using it, they belong yeah. to wow. us. Yeah.
2: I've never thought of that's it that. Great, yeah. That's a great yeah. that's a really it's, good it's point. A total one eighty, right? It, it is a one eighty. We can't, but we can.
0: Yeah. Well, and this by and by saying you can't, it kind of guarantees that you won't be able to speak against us stealing the little parts of your culture that we want, you
2: know. The conquest did not end after the Indian Wars. Nope. Nope. The, no. the um the conflict did the and what and I mean the the militarized conflict did, but the cultural conquest did not end. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think even today, economic conquest, right? I mean, the
0: Washington Redskins are they're not they're not in it to uh, just just to spread about Native American <sighs> culture. They're in it yeah. for money. Yep, lots and lots of it, right? And yep. so certainly, you know, you got to connect those those dots, right? Absolutely.
2: So to kind of wrap up the borrowing culture aspect of this discussion, it's, it's the combination between materiality, hobbyism, and playing Indian. Um, the, these aspects really work together to develop an institutional culture around those Native American mascots. And it does that by bringing in the members to become uh, part of that, by having the members play Indian uh, reenact to, to, to wield these objects to come to sporting events or to assemblies dressed up uh, with mm-hmm. face paint, with um, headdresses, um, by reenacting a tomahawk chop. I know at our school um, that was banned not too long ago.
0: You know, it was very recently, right?
2: Yeah, very yeah. recently. Um, but that was a part of uh, participation with it.
0: Yeah. Well, and even I can speak to uh, playing in, in the band uh, one of the songs we uh, we would play uh call on the war path uh, my section the the motion that was it was a, tr- a tradition thing we all did uh, but the motion was you know with your horn uh, you start up and you go down so in a way we were like performing the music on the war path a Native American theme song uh doing the musical version of a tomahawk chop you know no wow. i never really connected all the dots but in hindsight that's absolutely what it was you know
2: um well yeah well let's um let, we'll come back to that for sure okay for sure um but let's talk about um what it means to brand a mascot that's another aspect here how, okay. how these mascots become embedded in school cultures branding and marketing uh, becomes a really important aspect of it as well um Institutions worked on many levels to brand and market their Native American mascots through the names, through slogans, through logos, through boosters and alumni organizations. And some of the most powerful groups in opposition to a lot of the name changes that you hear about in current events are boosters. Hmm.
0: Because they they were from those schools. They have pride in those schools, right? And
2: a lot of that is built on the name. Right built on the mascot right. it
0: is well, what was that term you came up with that we just said?
2: implement would you In, embed it oh yeah In- embedment yeah right? mascot yeah.
0: embedment Ma- yes mascot embedment that's hard to say that's hard, yeah. it's hard for me to say
2: <laughs> um so I'm, I'm going to quote someone here Cornell pywardy and what Cornell says is these names and images um Names such as Indians, Braves, Warriors, Chiefs, Redskins, even some schools will be more specific in, say, Seminoles or Apaches. Hmm. Um, these names and images attached to many of them are self-serving to European Americans.
0: Hmm.
2: And it's anchoring the European Americans to land and verifying a false account of a shared history.
0: So it's, it's, it, it gives them some false sense of legitimacy. Yes.
2: Okay. And so um, we, we've talked about how the word redskins um, was significant already and kind of the origins of that. Um, we know that word becomes uh, a racial epithet, especially into the uh, 20th century. Right. Um, uh, so it didn't start
0: that way, like we talked about right. last episode, but it certainly, it becomes a, a negative term. I know there was that document you talked about last time where it was, you know, you were paid for X amount of redskins, which implies you killed them, right?
2: Right. And so,
0: I definitely, but by, by the time you see it being used in school mascots, the term "redskin" does have a violent, negative slur. Let's well, be honest, kind of connotation to it,
2: right? Right, right. right. And and we see these names like redskins. Names are becoming more prevalent, but alongside these these names are are logos and symbols that start to develop. Um, and these logos uh, logos. I don't want I said it weird like that. Logos <laughs> typically present either idealized or or comical facial features of, right. and and native dress as well, um, and it's compounding the visual of the the white man's Indian there. So it's
0: leaning into the um, the racial, again racial stereotypes. Right? Yeah. Well, I think of I think of uh, Cleveland Indians right have the feather yeah. right you know. Yep. Um, think of you know think Peter, of, the Peter
1: Washington fans. Redskins have the feathers. As well. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
0: they do. They do. Um, Our
1: squads,
2: drum and Feather. Yeah. Drummond Feather.
0: And even think, I mean, and back to the, I know we were talking about it, but the whole like, like think of the history of like like black facing, right? Like think of um, like where the term Jim Crow comes from. Like it's it was a you could go to a carnival to a circus and watch you know a white man dress up and play uh, a black man, you know. And he wasn't playing a black man as black men actually were. Um, not only was he dressing up like that, but he was dressing up and and showing them in a dumb, a silly, a lesser, um, maybe even a barbaric fashion, mm-hmm. right? And so by using visual stereotypes, it kind of reinforces um, Anglo appropriation. Um, yeah. That's not theirs to do. Right? Yeah. Not ours to do. And we're, we're all white men sitting in this room, right? Right. So it's, yeah.
2: Well, and I think of um, think of the commercial branding that's happening at this time. Um, commercial businesses are selling products based on brands derived from native culture, exploiting romanticized representations of indigenous culture for profit. Um, everything's from cars to motorcycles.
0: Yeah, uh, the the Indian, right? Indian, Indian, yeah. Indian, which is like a kind of a classic yeah. bike. The um, chief, classic, yeah. The chief. Um, I'm thinking of what was just recently tobacco um, products. Yes, oh, yeah. there's tobacco very products. many because and there's and a lot sa- of same thing products. with tobacco, like natural tobacco, like un- unlike rolled tobacco. It's just yeah. like in the thing is. I think it's called like native or something. It's it's yeah. um, I don't I don't smoke, so I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's very much like they want to tie to native stuff. Um, yeah. Or even um, what was the butter company? They just they just removed the
2: Land O'Lakes. Land O'Lakes. Oh, yeah. they had the,
0: the the Native American on, it, and they they just recently re- cut the the Native American. Uh,
2: so there's so much happening at this time. Uh, so much context. Another layer of it is uh, it's the commercial aspect, right. the marketing aspect. Um, you know, we've talked about media. We've talked about the schools of militar- militarization and kind of the. Uh, the need for, or the desire for a mascot fitting there, that image, the white man's Indian, also uh, fit a desire in commerce, in advertising. Um, It was everywhere. So it's 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 making money, right? It's pervasive. It's It's, it's making money. Right. Um, Logos were developed on the basis of what attracted patronage for the common American citizen. They weren't based on um, realistic interpretations or depictions of right. Americans. It's what would attract right. buyers it's and like who were buyers at this time. It'd be middle to upper class white Americans. Right. right?
0: One thing and think, you know, post 1950 America's in an economic boom, the baby boom, right. We're a dominant nation yeah. and you see advertising exploding. Television is big. Think of jingles. Think of all those commercials. Mm, yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, again, like you said, it was a popular, um, Use so it would it would attract buyers right and oftentimes those, those buyers are going to be white. It's not like they went yeah. to the Native American reservations and said we want to depict you accurately. Yeah. Some people buy our product; they see you as you are. Right. It was it was no. let pull from uh, the Wild West show,
2: 1930s Fantas- Hollywood. Right. And what we see is uh taken from the objects. Not from the people, right. so yeah, yeah. So you don't need to go to the people for to make it authentic, right? The objects made it authentic, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and it's almost implied that you don't need to check with the people anymore, right?
2: That oh yeah, it. definitely, yeah, definitely. Now,
0: now, now we're native yeah. It's almost kind yeah. of yeah. Because remember those idea, those
2: objects right. don't belong
0: to them anymore. Well, because right, they they get stripped in yeah. the Indian schools and and then they're used to promote you know Anglo American sports teams and so yeah. Um, That's
2: a we, good point, Jonathan. We talked about the native. Uh, the Indian Head nickel um, that served as an inspiration for years uh, to many different organizations' logos. Look at the Washington Redskin. It's, it's very, very similar. similar. Very similar, uh, nearly yeah. identical, mm-hmm. nearly. Um, and so um, that that nickel was in circulation for 20 years, and, and guess the year, the time frame, 1913 to 1938. All the same yeah, time, it's man. All at the same time, <laughs> uh, and it's one of the most common images of American Indians. Um, this profile um, resonated with schools that had corresponding names. And if you look, if you if you take time to go look at logos um, for schools or organizations that had Native American names, you would see a, a profile of a Native American male, a Plains Native American male. Right. Um, and so we see that branding um, happening in logos uh, appealing to what um, many common American citizens would desire or see when they thought of Native Americans. Um, another powerful tool to talk other than names and logos, um, well, let's talk briefly about uh, boosters and alumni. Um, and just to kind of clarify, when I say booster culture, it, it's a culture that's constructed by a shared set of values, practices, and assumptions that are derived from the institution. And often what these uh, booster organizations care most about is the, um, the legacy of the institution and preservation, the preservation, the preservation of it. Um, booster culture essentially replicates the institution and the institutional culture Uh and it promotes the spreading of that, uh, culture, um, through through the society and through surrounding organizations. Right.
0: And so if that booster culture has to do with the Native American symbol, you can yes. assume there may be some now uncomfortable um, maybe there's a, a slogan, maybe there's you know a, a tradition that is kind of culturally insensitive, right? And yeah. and because they have the tide of the school, the, oftentimes, I, I'm
2: going to imagine, they want to preserve that. And, right? and these booster cultures aren't based on most of the time, the academic aspect of these universities—it's the sports team, right? Sure, it's it's the mascot, team, it's right. the, Yeah, the logo, um, and so that's what these boosters are really trying to perpetuate, and right. that's the culture that they're trying to spread—the name, the logo, the mascot performances, the materials, yeah. the the chants, all of those things. Boosters operate as ambassadors to the mascot, right, uh, or of the mascot, right. Um, and it reveals the central association between the mascot and the institutional identity. Right. So it's really no wonder how boosters and alumni become the single largest opponent to name changes. And we can see that makes sense. Yeah. 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 And so, um, yeah, that's kind of the capper I have for um, how, how uh, culture is kind of borrowed um, and how native American mascots become embedded within schools and and similar kind of uh, institutions.
0: So I think now like, and Ethan, I know you have the research for it, but we've talked about the role of the boosters. We've talked about the prevalency of of Native American mascots. Let's talk about our school. Let's talk about our region. So we are from, and listeners, you guys have almost certainly figured it out by now, we're from Kansas, yep. um, which in itself is a reference to a the, the Kansa tribe, right? No. Uh, is it Kansa? I don't know if it's kan- Kansa or Kansa. I don't know how you say it. Do you know?
2: I've, I've heard it said Kansa. Okay. I,
0: I, don't, but know. I don't know for I sure. I don't know. Um, and we live in the city of, of Wichita, which is, again, a another tribe, mm-hmm. right? The Wichita tribe. Now, they weren't a very... There, there's not really Wichita in,
1: in Wichita now are there? No I don't believe so okay do well, you know what, what happened with so, the capital So Wichita in the in the 1860s was a trading post along the Chisholm Trail okay um, and as more settlers uh, started to arrive, uh, they decided hey let's incorporate let's incorporate a town. Um, but around the time of the Civil War around the same time um, as more settlers arrived, the Wichita tribe kind of migrated further south into what would eventually become Oklahoma. And then Texas, you got Wichita Falls, Texas, and Northern Texas. Um, But then even when they were incorporating the, the city, much like we talked about with Ethan's research on, on mascots, this idea of wanting to incorporate native American history into their new town, into their new city, they immediately decided on the name Wichita. Um, but there was a lot of discrepancies on how to pronounce it. Was it Wichita? Was it Wichita? And, and so they eventually went with Wichita. But I don't know. Could that be like the white man's in, in pronunciation, pronunciation of the yeah. yeah. I don't know if they necessarily like asked the tribe, "Hey, how do you pronounce your name?" Um, right. Because so the tribe wasn't here. They were basically were were taking the history of the region and going with it. Right.
2: Yeah. And I think um, it's crazy. So the the school we work at, the mascot is Redskins.
0: Redskins, and and the slogan, you know, is uh, "Once a Redskin, always a Redskin." Yeah, which I mean, not only is our school, I mean, we're coming up on a hundred years. I mean, we're one of, we're the second oldest high school in in Wichita. Um, yeah, but like, there's there's a lot of alumni, a school that old. There's a lot of school pride, you yep. know, um, and so. And then this the slogan, "Once a Redskin, always a Redskin." Um, there have been movements in the past. I know you've looked at this a lot. Ethan, want to hear more? But there there have been movements in, in past decades to maybe change Redskin, but the slogan being "Once a Redskin." I mean, we're really leaning into sure. we're keeping the Redskin, yeah, you're right? Really claiming yeah. that idea, yeah, that you... you're really kind of owning that, right? Yeah. Um, so what did what did you so, find? I know you looked at yearbooks a lot what did so, you find with the school,
2: and yeah, and so um, and just I guess I'll put this out there, just kind of as an FYI. My research on the school that we work at is based on not only my own observations working there, uh, but on doing some archive research by looking at yearbooks from 1930 to 1935. I got cut off. I was going to go farther in my research um, because of the COVID.
0: Right. So, so like all the all the institutions. Because I know mean, I mean you were spending a lot of weekends. I at the archives, right?
2: I mean, uh, not not as much as I wanted to. I was only able to go a couple times before um, uh, it was shut down. But um, I wanted to go through the decades of the basically all the 20th century, hmm. which I now looking back at that would have been far beyond a thesis. Right, that's a huge project. That's your book. Man. I, that's so it. I got through the first. <laughs> so I, I wanted to focus on the first five years of the school and look at how that mascot was embedded in the okay. first five years of the school, and it was amazing of how much of the, the language, the slogans, the um, things that were happening in those first five years still happen today.
0: I want to hear more about this. Yeah. Right. So
2: yeah. Um, I, I think um, that, you know, Jonathan shared on kind of our geography, our state and our, our city um, named after uh, indigenous peoples. And um, and that what's interesting about the location of our school, it is literally right across the river from where the Wichita tri- uh, tribe uh, lived. Right. Uh, literally right across the river, like you could throw a rock, yeah. And that's where the the tribe lived, and so um, it's also it's
0: also a like. Maybe a five-minute drive from our local, like Native American museum slash resource center. Yeah, the uh, keeper of the plains. The keeper of the plains, yeah. which yeah. is all, which is our city's uh, symbol? iconic
1: symbol. Statue Google, yeah. Google T-shirt keeper of the stickers, the
0: yeah. I mean, it's everywhere.
2: Man. Keeper of the plains,
0: yeah. yeah. It's a Mid
2: America Indian Center. Yeah, yeah. The name of that? Yeah, which
0: actually, you guys. I mean, I think listeners that you haven't gone, you, you should go. And certainly, absolutely. and certainly, with you know, living in a, a
2: city named Wichita, you should go. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. It should be more than to keep your other planes you you should definitely learn a little bit more about it uh if you haven't but yeah and and so i think school was founded in 1929 before north high school wichita just had wichita high school um, which is now known as east high Mm -hmm. but it's just wichita high school and it just the city was growing to a point where we needed two high schools so they built north high um and it is a beautiful school guys and again if if you haven't
0: if you haven't seen it guys google you know wichita um high school north uh, or wichita redskins and this is in the
2: era where schools were not designed as prisons yeah (laughs)
0: like like if you you guys know if you you went to a high school that looks exactly like another high school you know what we mean by that
2: Mm -hmm. north is not that it looks more like a castle like a palace it's 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 Square, it has a a kiva in the middle or, mm-hmm. or a courtyard in the middle. Uh, built into it
0: um, are you know uh, there's 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 buffaloes carved into corners. Um, there's there's Native Americans, their faces carved into mm-hmm. things. Um, yeah. The the building itself is on like the is it either the state or the things the state historical register. Which I know becomes an issue with like maintenance. It can't be modified. It can't be be
2: maintained in a certain way. And
0: so there's there's sometimes with like uh, well like my classroom for example isn't the most structurally sound, and attempts to fix it have to be really careful because. It's a nice way. They can't. Yeah, it's a nice way because they can't violate you know the the um, architectural integrity of the school. So it's a beautiful school, but at the same time. It very much leaned into this native identity, mm-hmm. the identity that they self identified as once a redskin, always a redskin. Yeah they, yeah, they went all in. They did not hold back. Yeah, they and, they there's there's no once a native, once a yeah.
2: and that's redskin. what's unique about um, when you get to secondary schools. Is a lot of the universities and professional organizations that adopted the Native American mascot pre existed, like they existed before they adopted the mascot, hmm. but we'd see more secondary schools like our school, North high 1929. It, the adoption of the mascot was with the coronation of the school, you know, like <laughs> right, it was yeah. the beginning The the school um, completed its first year, 1930. And the mascot was determined before the school year began.
1: Do you um, know, Ethan? Sorry, yeah. But how,
2: do you know how they determine the mascot? Sometimes yeah. they
1: have like a, a a contest in the newspaper, or all right. right?
2: um That's a question, and that's that, that. would be a big gap in my research that I didn't get to. I didn't get to that part. of the Archives <clears throat> to look into our our newspapers and find that out.
0: Now, that'd I be do, something that'd be really
2: important to add. That'd be um, a good
0: point to add. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I think um, the consensus that I found was that it was very fitting because it, um, because it was known it was across the river from where the Wichita lived. And it was a kind of an homage uh, in that sense. Um, but I think the bigger thing going on was 1930. What else is happening in professional sports and in universities? Yeah. We see this and, and just American culture in general. It's, it's the, the adoption of Native American mascots on a mass scale.
0: Now I know with a so, different school in our area. Um, last week we got it wrong. We called oh, them, yeah. we called them the Rebels. We realized they're actually called the Colonels. That's yeah. what it was. Uh, but what I will say is, we while we got the name wrong, we got everything else exactly right. Dixie they, theme. It was a it was created uh, using a Dixie theme, blue um, I, and red. And I, I'm looking here. I think it was the school board. Uh, yeah. So the school board went ahead and decided to pick a Dixie theme, which I think was pretty like fairly common around the United States of like having a Dixie theme high school. Mm. Um now certainly our state was loyal to the Union, which makes this whole thing weird. But the colonel, they used the rebel flag. Um
1: so we, we got the name wrong guys in and, and and that the rebel.
2: That school was late fifties? Fifty nine.
1: Yeah. Fifty nine. It's the same year my school. Okay, same yeah. thing. Yeah because they're, um, they're identical like they, yeah, the, the old buildings yeah. are identical right yeah they're yeah. the ones that look like prisons yes <laughs> <laughs>
2: um yeah so um yeah no that's in school and you kind of preview the architecture uh andrew um because i think that's a key part of it the mascot was literally carved into the building literally right. embedded the the culture native american culture is embedded so that word embed embedment um, it's very literal when it comes to the, the physical structure of the building.
0: Brick and mortar. Do you yeah. can see my classroom from like all the pictures online? Yeah, you so can, super you can
2: see your classroom. It's right next see, to the tower.
0: You can see the water. Uh, if, if you yeah. are not
2: uh, from <laughs> Wichita and you don't know what North high school looks like, Google Wichita uh, North high. It mm-hmm. is a beautiful building. There are, there, obviously there's, we're talking about the uncomfortable parts of it, but it
0: is a stunning building guys. Yeah, yeah.
2: absolutely. Um, and so, Even in the yearbooks, in the 1930 yearbook, it says the Redskins are proud of their Indian background and endeavor to reflect at every opportunity. I think that quote kind of provides a baseline for how the school really absorbs the mascot and it becomes a part of its culture. From the first year, Redskins are proud of their Indian background and endeavor to reflect at every opportunity. Hmm. From the first year... And so we start to see it's 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 different. It's different than the professional organizations that adopt a name and then become about it. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is in the DNA of the school. Um, and so I, I kind of already talked to you guys about how I did research looking at. Uh, yearbooks and and then also just kind of having some general knowledge about the building on my own. Right. What
0: did you pull from the yearbooks? I know you're going there, but what was what's yeah about? yeah
2: yeah. So what we're going to break down uh, and talk about actually right now is we're going to talk about language, um, different slogans or words that are used in the in the yearbooks that reflect or, or point to the mascot. Um, also found a lot of examples of participation, uh, students and, and mm-hmm. members of the school participating. And and reenacting the mascot, or Hmm. or reflecting Native American culture,
0: and I know there's some of that that we still do now. Yeah, you know, and and you just you describe some with Mm the music, yeah, absolutely. And
2: then and then we'll talk about the architecture, which is a really significant Hmm. aspect. Um, Yeah. So looking at the, the the yearbooks, just to kind of throw out some examples of words that are used that I saw just in the first five years, and these are words that are used repeatedly: whoop or whooping. Uh, squaw, powwow, heap like big heap, uh, chief, Papoose, uh, totem poles. Um, I mean, these are just some of the words that are th- that are that are used liberally throughout the textbooks um, um, when talking about various things. Various mm-hmm. things.
0: Like Jonathan said, all in right.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they were very much all in from the very first school year. Um, the, the it's almost like the culture was. Create, already created. Yeah, it was already there. Um, the the language provides a common speech for the members of the of the school, for the students, for the teachers, and for the community alike. Um, and it, what it does is it provides a, a sense of oneness. I mean, we we have these words; these are our words. The the rival high school, Wichita East, they can't use these words. Because right. that's not their mascot,
1: right? You know,
2: so you can kind of see how that that idea of there only being two high schools in town kind of makes this rivalry, and a lot of the rivalry is is played out through the mascots,
1: right?
0: What I do know that like like it makes sense that they would want to stand out, and definitely living in a state, Kansas City, Wichita, it makes sense that oh, let's incorporate some Native American, you know, uh, symbol. I, I mean, I think I, I if you didn't think about the problems with that, it makes sense how you could lean on. That. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I guess there's two high schools. Um, yeah. There's a long history of kind of, like you said, not just a sports rivalry, but um, one of the North High traditions is we uh, we TP um, our own lawn. The, the seniors, before we have like a big pep rally, we call it a pep assembly, uh, they get to TP the school. And the history of that, because like, and why are we TPing our school? They used to TP East High School. And then eventually, you know, they got maybe I don't know the whole thing, but it sounds like it got a little bit out of hand, and they're like, "Well, let's do it to ourselves instead." Uh, but you know, it used to be a, a big deal to go and TP your rival school, and so it makes sense, you know, are we picked a mascot that 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 separates us from the rival high school. Yeah, you know?
2: yeah, that's awesome. In the in the founding period of of the school we work at, um, male students were often referred to as warriors. Really, in, in the in the in the yearbooks, warriors and male students was used interchangeably often. Female students as squaws, and now I, I stopped here when I looked at squaws. I'm like, I, I need to learn more about this word. And I and I went I went back to Ives Goddard, the linguist that I talked talked about last episode, and and he talked about a little bit more about what squaws mean. But squaws was used in the yearbook as squaws on parade. Um, uh, female students performing dances were called squaws. And so the origins of this word, again, it comes from the Algonquin uh, language family and it it translates simply as woman. And there's been a lot of controversy around the translation of this as well, because um, there's a similar word that derived from Mohawk language that translates as vagina.
1: Oh, wow.
2: And so when you take that interpretation of you're calling females, (laughs) that like, right? like, yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> That's not good. That's yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. That's that is incredibly inappropriate. That's degrading. That's, that in itself should be a reason yeah. to move away from that. Yeah, That's that, right. Yeah. That's my day.
1: That that would be sexual harassment. Oh, and
2: Absolutely. so, kind of like we yeah. talked about redskins, a, a, a popular belief historically is that that came from the scalping. Mm. This is kind of the same thing with squaw that the origins of the words um, lay in this Mohawk word for vagina. But Ives Goddard um, he argues that. That's not true. Again, he pushes back against these kind of ideas um, because he's like the Algonquin expert. Uh, he says the correct origin of squaw lies within the Algonquin language family, and Mohawk is not a part of that language family. Right. So, um, it's so kind even of there, picking
0: and choosing, yeah. right? It's, you know, yeah.
2: yeah, you dig into language and, and history and how even different arguments that are based on the interpretations of these words um, can be blown up. You know, right. um, and so I, I looked into that, and I, I do want to recognize that uh, some people do view that word as degrading right. because of the association with the Mohawk word. Hmm. Um, Ives Goddard is just one linguist right. and historian who advocates differently. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I looked into the squaws, very popular word. It's interesting. Very now, popular word. Now,
0: the, the, the Wichita tribe wouldn't be part of the Algonquin language family, right?
2: Mm, no. I don't think so.
0: We are and certainly no. certainly not the Mohawk.
2: Um facts checked me, but I want to say no.
0: I think so. I think it's no too. Yeah. I'll, I'll check. But so it's again, it's kind of it's it's picking parts of different cultures yeah. and assuming they're the same. Yeah, right? they're
1: they're pulling from that Hollywood culture. That, right. You know, the Western movies that identified warriors and squads. Yeah, I'm almost certain that was the yeah. where they pulled it from, right? So and the inspiration was locally, hey, we've got this local history of Native Americans. Right. So that's a good reason why we should right. use this. But let's pull from Hollywood or, you know, yeah, yeah. this romanticized images and materials. Yeah, that's, that's that's fascinating. That's very interesting.
0: Well, I mean, if I think about it, if a student wrote a paper, right? If a, if a student wrote a paper about Native American tribes in in your area, in, in, in Wichita, for example, right? But then they just like I don't know, like like sent you a link to a Hollywood movie, you'd be like, that's <laughs> not
2: research, like yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean,
0: and that's kind of what it is. It's like we have we have the accurate geographical
1: name, but then we just kind of pull from just the the Hollywood image, right? But
2: mm-hmm.
1: makes, makes me wonder. I mean, I'm sure when they uh when they if they did do research during right. the first years of the school, they probably didn't know the controversy surrounding, you know, the word squaw. Because I mean if you think about that today, hopefully if it had even a little bit of controversy, it would shy people away from just not using it at all. And I, I would guess that at that time
0: if you told people one of one of the what of one of the possible translations would be being that. Yeah. It would be like, well, we can't do yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? sure. Let's not even get it's our like, our hands yeah. dirty. Windows. It's
2: nineteen twenty nine, guys. <laughs> like it's yeah. <laughs> while while you guys are talking about that, I went back and I I, I fact checked. Um, I went to the Wichita tribes website actually, um, and this is from Doctor David uh, Rudd um, Herud, who who says that Wichita language comes from the Kadoyan family and it's it's historically related to the Pawnee, the Arakara, and the Kitsai. Oh, so, so yeah. that's certainly not so yeah, right? And so yeah, and like you talk about, it's a mis- mismatch of right. Native American It's, yeah. it's just yeah. lazy research. I mean, you yeah. it's just it's, yeah. yeah. But again, these it's part of the white man's Indian. That's yeah, that's my go-to phrase. It's words like "squaw." Like, oh yeah, that's yeah. the white man. Guitar. They don't they
1: don't care about doing this research.
2: Like, yeah, it's it's already, Right, yeah. yeah.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, um, "squaw" that's a word that popped up repeatedly, and. You know, I think it'd be important to, as you guys alluded, how did the students and faculty in 1930 (laughs) interpret that word? Um, There was no indication that I have that they understood that to be negative. Hmm. Um, Just a term for female. Yeah, Yeah. for female. Um, Later on, um, Hmm. female teams, uh, athletic teams would be called Lady Redskins. And that's not just at North. I think that was pretty popular for organizations with yeah. the Redskins I, I know. Moniker. At my
1: school, it's Lady Buffaloes because our not yeah. the Buffaloes. Yeah.
2: So. And so squaw um, was definitely prevalent in the founding era of, of North High School. Um, and warrior uh, and chief also were, were, hmm. were common uh, monikers for uh, male students specifically. Um, another word I want to break down real quick is heap, H-E-A-P. Huh. Um, it's another one of these words. I, I, I tried to look up the origins. It was a little bit more difficult to research this, um, but really with heap big, heap just meaning very, and it's just almost like um, like this uh, Indian this Indian speech, quote-unquote Indian speech, um, that could be attributed to some authors like Washington Irving or, or Mark Twain that are, are taking Native American language and, and kind of popularizing it through their writings. Um, heap just becomes one of those uh, I guess it was an adjective. Okay. Yeah. That is just, and it's sprinkled throughout the yearbooks. Um, so in the 1931 yearbook, there's a phrase, the Heap Big Chiefs. Uh, it appears in an article referencing the senior class of 1931. We call them Heap Big Chiefs. <laughs> okay. It's, Can you imagine just, seeing that?
0: It's, it's just so. Um,
2: today? Well,
0: it's still yeah. on the nose today, but it's, just, it's also just so. It's just so simplisticly like, like Hollywood. Like it's it just yeah. so, it's so incredibly like what, it doesn't mean any actual you know. It's kind
2: of lazy. right? It's lazy, right? It's just it's... that's how it's viewed now. Back then, I mean, it was the culture, right? That was that was the thing. That was the thing. Um, Heap is also used in a direct mimicry of Native American language, and also in the 1931 yearbook that the Red Ghost speaks was this article that a, a student. Uh, wrote it's a, it's a short story about this fictional ghost Native American ghost that lives in the school and it, this article really epitomizes the 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 kind of how students could have viewed the mascot at the time because all of the white man Indian characteristics are on 11. lead that oh, wow. turned up all the way. In this short story, um, here the student author describes the fix, fictional presence of an indigenous ghost that roams the halls of the school, uh, and he interviews the ghost um, as it talks about mm, heap fine school." Um, the article continues to describe the ghostly visitors as wearing gay blankets, porcupine quill necklaces, mm. war bonnets of eagle feathers, and refers to other indigenous characters named Witch Doctor Wooden Forest and. Big Chief, Double Window, Bald Head, um, which sounds like a, like a joke. About the principal.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, these,
2: these nicknames. Um, this article indicates not just an adoption of Native American language throughout the school, but a characterization of Native culture that was accepted and published in the yearbook. Mm. This characterization uh, characterized language was quickly embraced by the school, especially by the students, in association with the beloved mascot, and we see that in the following years in the yearbook. So that's the language piece. There's more to it, and it's all throughout the yearbooks, but those are some things I wanted to kind of uh, throw out there. So that's fascinating. Today.
0: No, was fascinating. And I, I know we keep going back to it, but it's so – Jonathan used the word lazy, but like so much of what you just said, I mean if you just look at like Wild West Show and go to like images, like so much of like what what, oh, what do we call the seniors? What do we call the males, the females, you know? Yeah. It's literally just like – like look at this picture of like sitting bull and Buffalo Bill. Yep. Like it's literally just like, okay, what can we call that guy? You know, chief. Okay, we're done. You know, it's it's it's
2: so it's yeah. so
1: simplistic.
2: Simplistic. Right? Yeah, I think that's yeah. it's simplistic. It's generalized. Um, the other aspect would be the participation, and we've kind of talked about this. We've alluded to this already through mm-hmm. the episode. So in addition, in addition to the mascot being embedded through uh, a common language and, and these words that have been kind of transplanted from Native American language languages. Um, it's also ingrained through student and staff participation. Um, I, I think, and actually, this just popped into my mind. I, I didn't include this in my research. Maybe I need to go back. But one of the more prominent things and unique things about North High is canoeing.
1: Yeah, so
2: we're we're, we're like one of
0: the only. I think we're the only the nation, not The last. Yeah, because we we're we're lucky, and and like you guys said, we you know we're we're situated very close to where the Wichita. Yeah. Uh, tribe would have had you know their their i guess their I don't know their yeah their, their settlement their settlement yeah there we go but where did canoes, um, but
2: where did canoes come from i mean definitely native american. native american culture right? definite american I, yeah that's, now i mean that's i have right.
0: a canoe in my my backyard here you know and that that's like the moccasin thing right where it's another another like passed down from from it's it's made, made it's become mainstream yeah. you know to yeah. it. but it's
2: certainly from native
0: american culture
2: yeah. right um We're by the river across the river from where the Wichita tribe lived, we're called the Redskins and we canoe. That's our, that's our, one of our major sports or our, our pastimes is canoeing.
0: Well, and there, there is an event every, uh, every fall, we call it the, the, the bonfire. Um, and a, uh, usually a, an, an athlete, like okay, a football captain or whatever, uh, dresses up in a, mm-hmm. uh, a double trailer, you know, uh, headdress mm-hmm. and, you know, shirtless, and I don't know if they do face paint. Used to, used. To, I mean, think they, they've now stopped doing face paint, but they did face paint. And he just kind of he arrives in a canoe at this bonfire. You know, in you know, in the, the let's call it what it is, playing Indian outfit. you yeah. know. Um To I don't know if does he just light the fire out yeah. of yeah, 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 to get the bonfire bon- going. Bonfire. Uh, and so I'm I'm guessing that is probably a long-term tradition at North High School. I, don't, I, I don't didn't know. see that in
2: the first five years. Okay. And I'd be interested to see where that originated. Right. My guess would be after World War II.
1: Yeah.
2: Because um, that seems to kind of um, be the explosive era. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like it's exploding in the 30s, but it really explodes. They, they really leading into Post-World War yeah. II. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's almost like a, uh, a patriotism 2.0. Well, World War II, right? Yeah. yeah. In yeah. the wake right. of the war. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's that's a couple examples right there. Another uh, tradition where students participate and still participate today is called Passing the Indian Heads. And again, it's a 1931 yearbook, which really uses or introduces this uh, tradition. Um, on the tower, the front tower of North High at the top are carved into the tower. Uh, the heads, the profiles, again, that profile of the male Plains Indian that's carved Very into Very much the tower.
0: buffalo nickel, you know. Very much so. Yeah, so and I'm
2: the, and uh, and you you work at North High and you went to North High. What what happens? What do freshmen do on the first day of school?
0: Freshmen have to kind of walk through the uh, the gauntlet, yeah. What they call it. is is that where you're going? Which is also which Native is also American, Native, Native American. Yeah, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Yes. What? The gauntlet. The gauntlet. I don't know about
2: that. There would be okay. So um, my knowledge in this is pretty weak. Maybe uh,
1: uh, my there's... knowledge is like is hollywood so i don't know if it's completely active. yeah well, okay
2: but what's the well this the is the concept hollywood. so what's the hollywood the concept the, is if you are if you're taken kind of prisoner mm-hmm. by and i don't know what tribes would participate or do this i want to say okay. um the the film that pops into my head would be um was that james finmore cooper book uh last of the Weekends. yes i think okay. that happens but essentially if you're if if you're taken prisoner and you're taken back to the village um, there'd be a gauntlet of of warriors that would basically you would have to try to make your way through and survive. Mm-hmm. And if you made it through to the other side, it... when you were adopted into the tribe.
0: oh, so it's, yeah. it's like corporal. Okay, because because what it is is you're a freshman, and it's like it's not hazing, but it's it's supposed to be like an introduction. But let's be honest, when it first started, it was kind of hazing yeah. the new people, you know. And so if you go to like the Wikipedia page of it's called Running the Gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah. they call it like corporal punishment. And then, yeah, they talk about uh, both Roman usage and then Native American usage.
2: Interesting, I don't Interesting. which Romans you know would be totally different. Yeah, they <laughs> never interacted. With each yeah, other. they definitely. Yeah, yeah you, you not. I not think of like football same. practice. You know, like that's a common thing like, with football. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and at North High School, the upperclassmen throw candy at the incoming freshmen. I think. I think, I think not at, at them, towards them. Our, yeah, our, that's our, the instruction our, that's given. Our,
0: yeah. our, our building administration would be like, "Oh, they just these they 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 they, they toss." Candy to yeah. them, not hat, not hat them. Yeah, it's not healing candy. It's borderline candy. it's hard candy though. Yeah, it's it's definitely Jolly yeah. Ranchers. Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> 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 Those things can hurt it. There's a You can Put a ball. hole in some drywall with that drywall.
2: that yeah. goes back to the founding era of North.
0: Really? It does yeah, that's pass fascinating. the
2: nation. Um and so it is in the thirty-one year book. Um the the on the first day of school, picture this, the first day of school. Students dress in their best clothes they walk through the doorway in the tower between the heads of the of the Native Americans they go to sit um, in the then gymnasium uh, to be uh, well the traditional gym yeah to be formally welcomed
0: yeah well it, it is it is like a, a, a walk of shame you know as no, you're entering it not right? a shame not shame no
2: a student's very first interaction with North High, they're confronted with Native American imagery. So it hits
0: them. Right That's there. the
2: very your first interaction right. as a student as you pass through the Indian heads. Mm. That's your first, the very first thing. Doing a
1: Native American
2: Yeah. Yeah culture You action. are like immersed into it.
1: Right.
0: Now
2: before the okay. Bellings. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> very early. Now North High is very proud of, of all of its culture and all of its oh, traditions. Yeah. And a lot of it is really cool. Like our Pep assemblies are amazing. Oh yeah, but
2: certainly you best know, I've ever been to.
0: But certainly we're we're pulling from a very loose Hollywood
2: Americanized Anglo American sure. image. Sure, and I'm not uh, casting an opinion on what we're doing. I just found it interesting to look at the origin. That's crazy. And the context in which these things began. The context is, I think, it's just interesting. Oh. Right.
0: Well, and just how 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 Hollywood all the terms were. Right. Is, is oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Definitely. Um. So another tradition would be dubbed the powwow. Um, And this is, this would be a celebration that culminates the school year. Um, And the powwow existed for a very long time. Um, We really don't have the powwow anymore, but it it started in the founding area. Mm. The 1935 yearbook gives a description of this event, obviously taken from the native word powwow, which is just referencing a ceremony or a conference But this is the event at the end of the school year where students dress in regalia, um, actually from global cultures, not just Native American culture. And they're reenacting various dances and songs to celebrate cultures from around the world. Hmm. Um, So in the 35 yearbook, it references Czechoslovakian folk dancers, Swedish tumblers, Russian gypsies, um, Uh all (laughs) performing. That's a quotation. (laughs) That's a quotation. Uh, To be clear, that's a quotation from the yearbook. Uh, the final reenactment at the powwow um, is centered around the mascot, Redskin. Mm. And in this reenactment, students dress as Redskin squaws, quote unquote, okay. and dance around a, a manufactured campfire. And they beat the, quote unquote, Tom Tom. okay, That's what they call the drums. And they're chanting while they're singing that they ring bells and quote, three or four Braves leap into the circle to join the other dancing students. Dude, I've seen this Hollywood movie. You know? Yes. Yeah. The, these movements, yeah. uh, and this is, the, this is how it's described, a frenzied fury of the Indian dance. Um, as one of the largest productions of the year, non-Indigenous students are taking part in a playing Indian culture, and they are continuing the culture that's happening all around in the United States and yeah. other in schools, and universities, and sports, right. in uh, business, um, it's 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 a participation in that right playing Indian culture. And, and I think the thing that keeps popping up is
0: it's 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 never it's never the Native Americans playing Native
2: Americans, right? It's always it's, within <laughs> right. within the at least the first five years, the founding years of North High School. I think I saw. There's one photograph that sticks out to me with an actual Native American, and I don't even believe it was a student. I just believe it's a community member. Hmm. Um, and not that I know the ethnicities or ancestry of the uh, students in the yearbooks. Right. You know, I can't claim to know that, right. but visibly, yeah. visibly Native American. There's only yeah. one.
0: Only one okay. that sticks out to me. Yeah.
2: But yeah. So that's the uh, participation aspect and right. how it became embedded in the through different acts and traditions. Uh, the last thing. To talk about, which is going to be hard because you have to see a lot of it, and so again we've said Google Wichita North High School, and you'll see a lot of the building. Um, but we want to talk about the architecture. Yeah, the architecture. Um, and so you can't miss it for sure. You cannot miss it, and the bridge.
0: Yeah, and even even the the, the, the Manissa Bridge that it connects to. I mean, it really is just the whole. It's all it's all one. So you the know? bridge
2: going from the then neighborhood where students lived to the school. It used to be this wooden plank of a bridge. Really? And it was okay. rebuilt in this founding era. Era.
0: So the 20s 30s.
2: Yeah. Okay. And actually it was I can't remember what year of the yearbook it was. It's definitely
0: the same like stone as 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 the actual school actual building. school. So I would imagine it right around the same time.
2: There was a joke in the yearbook because they were planning it um and there was a, and as they built the bridge, they built the bridge to match the school building mm-hmm. to have Native American figures and Um, cultural aspects carved into the bridge. So there's, there's bison heads, there's Indian heads carved into the bridge. There was a joke from a student that Western bell should replace the telephone poles with totem poles. Mm. Mm. That was, I think it was a, a, a funny funny request, but that honestly kind of fits in with the desires. Um, And you kind of see this idea of um, wanting to take the architecture of the school and spread it out, yeah. Into and, and the you're community, spreading it out. It's so um, we're we're kind of getting. I'm getting ahead of a, a myself role here, but um, so let me describe. Let us describe kind of the. And you've you've been to the building, yeah, so you yeah. know what, Then there's gonna be different things that stick out to each one of us. But there's carvings of Indian heads, uh, bison, eagles, um, and there and there's a bunch of other symbols as well. What sticks out to you guys? To me. I
1: don't have a lot of experience with the building because I didn't go there and I don't yeah. work there. Um, but I've visited a few times and I've driven by it. But what comes sticks out to me is you get kind of like a southwest vibe with the colors. Yeah. You know, it's got that that, that red yeah. that you usually see in, you know, southwest architecture. It's got, you know, that tannish color. So for me, it's it's the colors of the stone. Earth tones. Yeah, those earth tones that you really associate with, you know, like – Arizona and New Mexico mm-hmm. and like the Navajo yeah. and things like that.
2: Yeah. Would that be interesting? Cause that's a lot of the, the interior, the tile work and a lot of that. Right. And that is newer than the exterior. And I'm, I'm wondering at what point in time that interior work was done because it's, it's not Plains native American. It's Southwest. Yeah. 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 Native American.
0: Right. Right. Well, a lot of those like patterns that you see, uh, but also, I think like like say like Navajo for example, like by far that is like the most um, I think like used repatriated whatever like Native American design like back to like the whole like Western wear mm-hmm. like Navajo and like Navajo s- similar style is by far like the most like prevalently used and um, and like I guess American clothing and American like design and so it makes sense they would just be like ah Native American like it's, huh. you know, yeah.
2: The, the building was designed by a local artist named Bruce Moore. Okay. Bruce Moore. Um, and it was with the intention of telling the generalized story of local native tribes and uh, pioneers. There's also pioneers um, carved into the building. Um, so it's an attempt to kind of tell the story of Kansas history with native Americans. Right. Um, but it's very general and it has very kind of, you know, general symbolism throughout it. we talked about the tower. We've talked about the carved uh, Indian heads, at the top, Um, a clear goal of the unique architecture was to make um, North High a new and separate thing from the old Wichita High idea. And I got that from the 1932 yearbook. So we see there's an intention to make this school different. And there's a usage of the mascot and of the building's architecture to make this school different. So the, the building and the tower were thought of to, quote, reflect the true American architecture. And so that further solidified the idea that Native culture kind of creates an American-ness. That it's all one picture. It's yeah. all one. Yeah. yeah. Um, architecture played a key role um, in student participating uh, with the mascot. We talked about passing the Indian heads. Well,
0: you, you can't avoid it. Yeah, I mean, there's no you know, missing it. And, and, no? and even, even if you were... Late on the first day of school, and you miss the whole like gauntlet thing. Every time you walk yeah. up, you're gonna, you know, yeah,
1: you're gonna see every the day. iconography. It's yeah, like it's, every mean, day. And if I'm new to town and yeah. uh, and I'm a I'm a student there, and it's my first day, there's no mistaking that there is some sort of yep. you know, relationship with Native Americans. Oh yeah, I mean, if it's on the sign in the parking lot. I mean, it's very yes. much just
2: all the way through. Yeah, all the way through. Um, we talked about the bridge, the Manissa Bridge that leads to North High School. Um, was reconstructed to embody Native American symbolism.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, the quote that I talked about, they suggested Western Bell hang the wire on totem poles. Um, another quote to go with that from, this would be the 1932 yearbook is we're gradually making this neighborhood an ensemble. Mm-hmm. This idea that this is, it's a community thing.
0: Well, and almost like that neighborhood is going to adopt the theme of the school, like the yeah. right kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, and I, 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 would speak for, you know, cause there's, there's some strong neighborhoods right around that area. Um, and you know, because of, they're so close to the school, many of them went to North High and their kids go to North High and you know, they, they believe their grandkids will go to North yeah. High and, and it, they're all very, very proud of, you know, once Redskin always Redskins. Yeah. And so probably.
1: I, they're probably boosters.
0: Yeah. They're, they're very involved. They still go to the football game. Oh yeah. We still lose like, you know, a <laughs> lot of points. That's fine. Uh, but <laughs>
2: That's true. Shade. Right? Shade. Well, not shade. Yeah.
0: Vex.
2: That's cool. But yeah, I mean, that's how, in the founding era of North Eye, that's how the mascot was embedded. And that's, you know, to be honest, it takes a lot more research than just looking at the yearbooks, which is what I did. Right. I would take interviews. Um, it would be talking to alumni or children of alumni, It'd be yep. looking at newspapers. Um, there's so much more that can be done to really examine how the mascot was embedded. But um, even from the, the small amount of archival research I did, there's a lot.
0: Now, were there movements to, before, like, to like change this or to like adjust it? If um, there
2: were, they probably weren't in those yearbooks. Um, are you talking about in the thirties? I'm just curious in general, like, was there, so yeah. It, um,
0: it sounds like then there really wasn't. And this right? is where I
2: didn't get to research. That would be super interesting. Um, but yeah, there absolutely have been, I think, um, yeah.
0: Hashtag COVID,
2: right? Yeah. I, think, I think 80s, 90s, okay. um, we see that as a national trend, I think, from what I understand okay. from people that have been connected to North High. It was definitely a conversation then. Um, to change it? Or? To, to change, yeah, and it, and it didn't. Um, I did look at some local records for, it was in the 2000s, there was a big conversation that was had, kind of citywide, and, and, and there was a task force put together, um, actually by a teacher that we both know. Yeah. Um, and, um, it, the, what North high school does follows kind of the pattern of what other schools do is they create a task force or a committee Mm -hmm. to kind of take surveys and evaluate and kind of come up with a decision. Um, a lot of uh, school boards are in charge of that as well. And what we, at least what, from what I've read and what I found is every single time it's the, um, Loudest voice wins, and it's been the alumni and booster. So,
0: okay, so they're they're, just, they're proud of their culture. They want absolutely, to keep it and absolutely.
2: And yeah. when you look at how the mascot's been embedded, you understand that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, we're we're an old school, and yeah. and it sounds like it was very from the very beginning. It was just hit you over
1: the head with it, right? And so it it, it makes sense; it's ingrained. Yeah, right? I know. And like just to compare it, like my school, not quite as old, you know, founded in in 1959. You know, our mascot's the Buffalo. And it's prevalent in our building. Right. You know, we've got buffalo heads. We've got a whole life-size taxidermy buffalo. Your Wednesdays are uh, stampede days, right? It's, uh, mm-hmm. Kind of, but uh, <laughs> but it's not on the same level as as your guys at school. So I feel like if for some reason my school were to rebrand themselves, it would be so much easier. There there would be le- less of a you know uh, of a cry about it, and that I think that just goes to show how embedded. Yeah. this native american culture is at your guys school from the very get go right it's it's unlike any other school in wichita right absolutely and part of the reason we we enjoy teaching at our school is because of
0: the the traditions and not not not, not just the native american ones but like for example like the, the pep assemblies right um and like we've been a very tolerant school i know for, certainly too and so i think you know we're very proud of our school but it, there's no getting around this kind of uncomfortable Hollywood Indian image, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very prevalent, very open. You know? yeah. So now that we kind of have the the historical basis, you know, for for all of this, and I think like the amount of research you have presented is like it, there's a, immense, and there's clearly like a lot. Like, I think this could easily be like multiple books, you know, of, of, of research on this. Right. Of course. Um, you know, but, but I guess you've studied this most closely, Ethan, you shared this with us, but now that you have all this historical context, like what does it tell you about this mascot debate? Like what, what does it answer a question for you or or (sighs) help you decide how to, how to feel about that?
2: I think, um, when you learn more, the more questions you have. Right. And I think part of my intent in choosing this topic was not to come up with a solution because I know it wouldn't be that easy. Right. But it was to maybe bring some clarity okay. to the debate, um, identify yep. um, any mis- from misinformation that's out there because um, I believe that's important. Yeah. Um, but I think what it could do is it can help provide um, common ground for opposing sides. Sure. Uh, it can help us to look at history and kind of see the origins of things and and understand that and kind of see, okay, this is our history. This is where we come from. Now. How do we, how do we, how do we together want to reconcile it now? You know, um, you know, I I don't have any suggestions for our, our school, North high school. um, As far as I don't have an idea for how to quote unquote fix this, you know, or, or to change the name or whether we should change the name. Um, I just believe that history Needs to speak for itself,
1: yeah.
2: and I think when we allow that to happen, um, and we seek that understanding of where we come from, where our roots are, um, it, it will kind of point the way to the future. Right. Um, there's a there's a historian who who kind of talks about that. Uh, have you guys taken Have you taken historiography yet? Uh, I
1: will. I haven't yet. Did you take it, Johnston? I took a I took an introduction in my undergrad.
2: You'll inevitably read this book by E.H. Uh, e. Carr called What is History? Okay. And it's, it's a small book and it's super good. Uh, but what he ends up talking about um, is how for history to create progress, um, there must be the transmission of acquired skills from one generation to mm-hmm. another. And what's being lost is that, that ability for people in conversation, in the rhetoric, to use historical thinking skills. Thank yeah. you, Weinberg. Thank you, Stanford, <laughs> uh, to to be able to back away, to differentiate yourself from the situation, right. from the topic, and to look at history and to to source things, to look at where does it come from, what to look at what's the, what the context, how did yeah. this happen? Yeah. And I think um, you know I, I'm sounding like a cookie cutter history teacher right now, but it's true. Well, it's true. Uh, well, I I do
0: think to your point of not just in Wichita, but this this is a this is not just a national but international. Uh, issue you know i'll think think all around the world places that were uh you know colonialized uh imperialized by you know europeans for example right um you know there's there's questions with you know in australia aboriginals right um or think in canada right i mean there's yeah. there's all kinds of issues with like you know how, how do we handle this so it's definitely an important thing but if we yeah. all understood the history behind it specifically us north high redskins you know where that comes from yeah even if people found each other on different sides of the argument, they would at least both have to appreciate um, the, the common history. And you would hope that because they had that, maybe they could at least entertain a conversation about yeah. what do we do about this. It's Absolutely. accessible, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Now, in your guys' eyes, and this is kind of an open question, um, you know, Redskins... Is, is the name of our our, our our school's mascot once a redskin always redskin it's our slogan is that like better or worse than living in Wichita, Kansas referencing two tribes are those different or are those both problematic?
2: Is the slogan problematic?
0: I guess is is a mascot being a redskin the same as our city being called Wichita
1: or is that hmm. different?
2: a good question for
1: me i i think it's different because when i think of wichita kansas i think of it in terms of geography like kansas got its name because of the kansas and and the the river being of the same name Mm -hmm. wichita got its name because of the location of the tribe actually we're from there yeah we're, we're from this geographical location and then when you look within kansas and within wichita you don't see a lot of cultural appropriation mm-hmm. I mean you see monuments to Native Americans it, it seems to be more honoring yeah okay um and th- as opposed to you know the idea of of redskins and, and trying to assume that identity yeah. right um, and I yeah. think you always got to keep in mind you know the fact the connotation of the word redskin has changed over time uh, yeah. into what is today considered a slur right, right? so many people whereas you know Kansas and Wichita
2: are simply just referring to tribes right so right. in my mind there's there's a clear difference between, between the two okay. is, it, is it possible that redskin may not have transformed into an epithet if the if if Native American people have been honored to that term to that term does that make sense yeah you know what i mean i think kind of what you're saying the way our city I have a lot of love for our city in the way our city has. And I I don't know what it's been like historically. It could have been different. But at least from my growing up here, it's very much not wanting to play Indian or to take on this uh, Native American identity. Um, But it's a a respect. Um, I'd also be curious to hear what local Native Americans would say.
0: That's the piece I was gonna Indeed. mention. That's
2: the biggest is, piece and I've it's, yeah, that's the voice you need That's to the elephant in the room is that is the biggest voice missing from our podcast right now. Yeah. But, well and and that's that's the and I would love to have like a follow up where we can we can fix that. Well you know, know and I will say this, and talking about our school, I, I have Native American students or, or students that have Native American heritage, and they're my quietest students. But it's not until I speak up about some of these things in class that they'll come up to me after class and say, Hey, Cornette, I'm Native American. I'm like, What? Like I would have never known Mm. and they go, yeah, like it makes me really uncomfortable and I'm glad we're talking about it because we're talking about it. Right. You know, and I think, um, I think if there's anything to change um, that, or that would create change today, it would be the impact that this has on um, Native American students. I skipped this part of my research. I I did the research, but I I didn't talk about it um, earlier, but Native American students are the largest category for depression and failure rates and suicide, yeah, in the United States.
0: Sure, when you zoom that out and just look at life on reservations, I mean, oftentimes it's very limited opportunity. Yeah, um, and you know, people who are backed into a corner act as if they're backed into a corner. Now, now, certainly there are people who, like you know, like in any culture, people who get out of their their situation. But you know, if there's limited opportunity, there's going to be people who don't make it out. You know, um, and So it it just, it's, what's hard for me about Redskin is it's, it definitely, whether it was intended or not, it has become a slur. I think historically, from what you share with us, Ethan, there's no denying that it embodies a slur. Just in the way, in other words, that now, Mm -hmm. maybe didn't start off with a bad connotation, but now certainly carry that. It Mm -hmm. it certainly carries that. Um, And that seems to have a stark difference from Wichita, Kansas, which just happens to accurately... Uh, reference
2: to geographical tribes you know sure and I think um, absolutely and I think I, I don't want I, I really want to stay away from doing a lot of opinion sharing on my own part just because right. I wanted the, I wanted the kind of history to speak for itself and I already know you could probably hear some opinion through the way I present well, these sure. you, know, you know that's inevitable
0: every source is biased right? but even
2: but right. I think if anyone's kind of curious of what is the solution to this um, there's no clean solution I do not believe name changes alone will do anything. Yeah. There's some, um, and, and some of the reading I did, I can't think of the specifics here at the moment. But so, um, there's been some advocacy from Native Americans to not get rid of the moniker uh, because it's one of the last things reminding American citizens that Native Americans exist. Right. Right. <laughs> if you remove all the Met Red skin, or I'm sorry, Redskin uh, mascots throughout the country and all other Native American mascotry, then not only are the people themselves vanished, right? but any reference to people are vanished.
0: Are you covering it up, right? And, and as,
2: a, as a, I think we talked about earlier, there's some schools in Oklahoma, New Mexico, um, that are Native American schools that have taken on the nickname Redskins to rebrand it. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing about language, if you've taken linguistics courses, language is culture. right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the meanings of words change throughout time all the time. Right. Um, when you just want to throw away a word, it'll be replaced by another word. So to get rid of the name doesn't fix the problem. It's, it's, you've got to change the culture. You've got to change the, the course of history. And Something beautiful our school did this school year. Yeah. And I won't say his name, but we had a local um, Native American uh, man come, and he performed a war dance before one of our pepsi. and And it was
0: really good. And it was um, – sorry to jump in your story. No, it's perfect. But it was a um, – he performed what's called like a fancy dance – um, which is he had, and it's, it's so beautiful. And what I love about those guys, and he was like a national champion, like, a, like maybe like 10 times. It was a stupid high number, oh, wow. a really, really good native American, uh, you know, dancer. And he had won all these like national competitions for it. And the fancy dance, you can like Google pictures and it's crazy. I'll see if I can, if I can find one. Um, but it's so you get, you get stuck in the trance of watching him dance um, and because you so many things going on, the outfit is bright, it's colorful. Um, he's wearing like, it's usually like two or three bustles. Mm-hmm. Here's a, here's a picture guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is oftentimes they end up like spinning really fast. And so as they do it, you just almost, it's almost like sensory overload and you just get kind of stuck. It's just beautiful, beautiful dance. Um, but that is a Native American dance. Truly. It's not, it's not the Hollywood. Yeah, it's, it's not a white man's version. It's not, yeah. And, and it's not the the watered down. I saw this in a movie once. Mm-hmm. This is the actual thing. And I loved how our our students reacted so positively.
2: That was the most passionate applause I've heard. At one of our yes. pep assemblies in my tenure, if I can say tenure, I've been
1: <laughs> Ten, years, six yeah. years. Yeah.
2: Six years isn't super long, but it's also the only time that we've had a member of yeah. the Native American community come to perform at the beginning. Um, and I think, I think if there's if we want to change the direction of history, right. it's got to be the inclusion of Native American people, not imagery, not names, not logos, not material items. The, the people. people. The people. Yeah, it's got to be building that bridge with the people, building relationships, reaching out, and I think from if we do that, then I think it'll become clear what needs to happen next. Because that's the first step. The name is secondary, right? That's not the problem, right? Right.
0: Well, and the, and the people have been have been systematically killed, oppressed. they through the Indian schools, their culture was forced to be covered up, right? Yeah. And then what's what's existing now, most prominently, is just such a stripped down. Um, offensive, you know, version of their culture, and yeah. so if you want to start to fix the problem, you need to involve the people, right?
2: Yeah. Imagine, imagine this. you remember what happened right after uh, the gentleman uh, finished his dance?
0: It's I. I don't.
2: Our chant, our slogan: "Once a Redskin, always a Redskin." Oh, skin. right, right. Yeah. Well, that about sums it up.
0: Yeah, right I think that's a good a good point. But if you start to include them, right? I mean, that's 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 part of of, of the solution, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think the importance is you can't just go in with like, okay, we know people are mad about this, and so we want you to sign off on it. No, yeah. and then we're good, and then yeah. it ends. Like, no, it needs to be. It needs to be a change. It needs to be a systematic change. It needs yeah. to be. We're going to bring you in because we haven't in the past,
2: yeah. right? Um, and let it go
0: where it goes.
2: Yeah. You and, know? and I think what that looks like is it's beyond justification. And that's what the pattern has been. Well, be what, what can we do to really authenticize this experience? We'll, we'll have some member come and bless the ceremony or, or right. bless this item. Or, right. or we'll get permission. Um, a lot. It's a lot of getting permission to play Indian. But I think when the intention becomes more than justification and it becomes reconciliation. Right. Like, and, and, and this means... That American citizens, white or, or whatever, you know, ethnicity, um, the non-Indigenous Americans need to be willing, need to be open to letting some things go.
0: Yeah, right. That's got to be a part of it. And if you go in with, look, we have your iconography carved into our building. We're not going to knock the building down, but we want to start this dialogue, you know. How can we be more respectful? How can we be more representative? And I think, like you said, you have to go in with no preconceived notions because if you do that, you become—you're just trying to justify playing Indian, right? Yeah. You have to go in with all the possible options on the board.
2: And right? How how far are communities, and schools, willing to go to build those bridges to make things as right as we can?
0: Yeah, right, yeah. right. You know, and and the the thing with the reservations um, is, I mean. What do you do there? I mean, it's it's there's no easy solution, right? You know, and, and it's you know if you you know the life on the reservation is oftentimes limited, and I don't say that from experience. Obviously, I'm a I'm a white man, so I have that privilege, you know. Uh, but from what I've read and learned and seen, you know, uh, certainly it can be limited, you know. But you can't just say, oh well, in that case, let's get rid of them, because then you know, <laughs> then have you just effectively eliminated? native culture, the little bit, the little sliver that's left, you know, there's no easy answers here, but involving those people in the conversation has to be the first step, right? It has to be. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What other, like, I guess, uh, takeaways stand out
2: to you guys? Yeah. Let's let history take the driver's seat. Let's let's let let's let's be okay with setting our own preconceived notions aside. Let's be humble enough to to look at the past and to be willing to admit where we're wrong as much as we like to claim where we're right.
0: Yeah. I think that's I think that's a perfect way to sum that up. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in for this episode. I think we're just about out of material, um, but hey, we want to keep this uh, this dialogue going. We want to yeah. keep it moving. Um, yeah. Ethan had has done a lot of research, but like he said, like this could be a, a really truly a lifetime's. It takes uh,
2: multiple multiple people, many people. It takes a it takes a village.
0: So let us know uh, you know of, of of your thoughts, of your opinions, and you don't have to agree with us, you know, but. Um, what I think is important about anything, any issue that's controversial, is you have to be willing to open a dialogue, right? You have to be willing to look at arguments you agree with and arguments you don't agree with. Being be willing to look at history, uh, even if that doesn't fit into, you know, the, the narrative you go in with, you know. Um, and so we hope that this episode has kind of helped to do that. Um, and we look forward to kind of the dialogue continuing and going from there. Um, we do have a Facebook page. Yeah, we do, big time. Uh, MySpace, official so,
2: man. Uh, oh. MySpace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so feel free to like us there, uh, comment there, rate us there. Of course, uh, tell your friends and family about our uh, our podcast. Put your
2: questions or your thoughts or reviews, whatever. Absolutely. On man. Facebook. Absolutely. Suggestions. Yeah, suggestions. Yeah, suggestions. what else should we talk about?
0: I'm sure one of them will be like, can Jonathan talk more? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not in my nature. <laughs> one day. <laughs> we'll see. No,
0: it's
2: good.
1: It's good.
0: Uh, well, I think anything else, guys? Is that it?
2: No. Thank you guys for listening and holding on.
0: Yeah, and shout out to Ethan for doing all this research. I know, you're, I know your professors is going to be just super impressed.
2: stressed out.
0: There you go, man. There you go. All right. Well, this has been another episode of uh, Making History Dope. Again, guys, we appreciate you. Uh, We look forward to your comments and suggestions. uh, And stay safe, guys.